0: Well, one hour down, one to go. Hardline with Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy here on News Radio nine thirty W B E N, talking the county executive race. Both candidates will be here the next two days. Tomorrow, Mark Polencars, and on Tuesday, Lynn Dixon. That'll be the eight o'clock hour and uh, a little inside information less commercials those 2 hours so you'll have oh. more more time to listen to the candidates it will be an entire hour with each uh, and like i said a little programming note following both our uh, both days will be myself taking your calls and reaction on what you just heard from both candidates also at 11:30 we have i keep forgetting uh the, uh, this
2: morning, we have uh, Angela Michelle, Joe, she is a reporter with the Gainesville Sun in Florida, talking about uh, the appearance Thursday night of Donald Trump Jr. and uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. And if her name sounds familiar, Kimberly Guilfoyle was on Fox for quite a while.
0: On the she, Five.
2: Yes, exactly right. She was one of the five. And she is Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend and uh, an advisor to the Trump campaign. So they spoke a lot of protests in uh, at the university when they were there Thursday night. So I thought, let's get a perspective from somebody who was actually uh, on the ground there. So Angela Michelle will join us uh, in about 20 minutes or so.
0: Yeah, and we will take your comments on that. The liberal or maybe you see a conservative bias at uh, universities, Eight oh three oh nine thirty. And Brenda, I'd like to bring this up. And the Kimberly Gutfoil thing actually uh, will help my story here, or help the setup of this. She was married to Gavin Newsom, right? the very liberal uh, governor of California. And at I, the
2: time, he was the mayor of San Francisco. Mayor
0: of San Francisco. And if you've ever seen Kimberly on Fox, or now with Donald Trump Jr., they don't have very uh, similar political views. No. And, you know, I did a show on Wednesday uh, about people losing touch, not only with friends, but with family members because of political differences that, you know, they would, you know, call, hey, so-and-so, it's you know, been forever. How you doing? And you couldn't go 30 seconds into the conversation without that person scolding you because of your political opinion. And why would you call that person back if that is continuously what happens? I mentioned there's a few examples in my family of uh, certain aunts of mine who every time we're together – it's going to come up, right? She's going to tell me I'm an awful person for supporting Trump. Um, I try not to bring it up, but we all know that family member or that friend. So I'd like to ask you, could you ever be like Kimberly Guffoyle and married to someone, not just of a po- different political opinion, but literally on the complete other side of the political aisle? I mean, we're not talking left center, right center. We are talking two people that are on fringes. Yeah, you can't
2: get much further apart
0: of their political beliefs. Um, So I'd like to also open the phone lines up to that as well. Where do you see the political divide in your family within some of your friends? Have you lost friends simply because they can't take or maybe you can't take um, their political opinion?
2: You know, Joe, I have a friend and um, he was telling me he was out to dinner. He and his wife were out to dinner with friends of theirs. And invariably, the discussion turned to politics and their friends are very much pro-Trump. And uh, he and his wife are not. They're not Trumpers at all. So uh, it was very difficult, he said, to get through that dinner. And he said, I hate to admit it, but I feel differently now about hanging out with these people. So it definitely affects friendships. Um, There's been divisions, as you noted, in families. Uh, Some people don't speak to each other anymore. I, I think it's a shame, really, that we can't have any kind of civil discourse. But, boy, I'll tell you what, people dig their heels in with these This current political climate, and it's almost like it's all or nothing. You come out in support of the president, or if you don't, there's no middle ground anymore.
0: No, and Brenda, you know, I have uh, two examples. I have one friend. He and his wife are, I would say, very liberal. Um, But you know what? We are still really good friends. We still stay in in touch. And we actually will discuss politics. We know. It's kind of like when Dan and West Seneca calls Right. We know I'm not going to change their mind, but we have a, a, a nice conversation. Uh, we don't agree, uh, but it never gets like, hey, you know, I'm leaving or, or anything like that. It's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about our differences and then we'll move on to, did you see the Eichel goal? Uh, <laughs> y-
2: you know, you do find some common ground with non political issues. Right.
0: And then I have another friend who has unfollowed me on all social media, barely talks to me anymore. Um, and we've always been politically different, but it's something about this election that it seems people just can't stomach the other person's political opinion, be it uh, pro-anti-Trump, left or right.
2: But you know what I think, Joe, you're not calling your friend names. And I think that's part of it. And President Trump likes to call people names and mock people. And um, I think it's given people who are prone to do that almost license to follow in that those sort of footsteps. And I think that's what makes it even worse. I think, you know, a healthy debate is good for democracy, but I don't necessarily think that we should be calling each other names and mocking each other. I don't
0: know, Brenda, Sleepy Joe kind of sticks.
2: Well, maybe it, so, it's, maybe it's, so. But uh, the other night when the president was speaking in Minnesota, I believe it was, and he was kind of recreating the whole uh, dialogue between the two FBI agents. Yeah, you know what, yeah, I Brenda, thought that was really out of bounds. I'm glad
0: you brought that up. If you missed any of the Russia... Uh, investigation here is a breakdown of how exactly it started Months
3: earlier peter struck
0: remember he and his lover lisa page what a group
3: she's going to win 10 million to one she's gonna win i'm telling you peter i'm telling you peter she's gonna win peter oh i love you so much
0: I don't know, Brenda. I, I think we're going to have a disagreement on this one. I think that's funny. You, you might not agree with it. I,
2: I was laughing. But I, he, I don't think it's that. But is it presidential? <laughs> Probably not. But
0: what is presidential? Not that. <laughs> okay, uh, but President Trump ran on the fact that he won't be your typical president, right? So I, I think I don't think we're surprised by that anymore. But I, I see, and I'm not. I don't always defend the president on things like this. As you know, I, I wish he tweeted less. Yes. I, I wish some comments he made in public, he would just stick to the script. Now, there are other times I think when he goes off script, he is the most effective. But I think there are times he goes off script and then we're talking about that. And Brenda, I think you and I hosted a show over the summer and President Trump was having a good week. His poll numbers were starting to go up. And then one dumb tweet that was unnecessary and it's he takes all the attention off of the positives. Now I know CNN probably wouldn't focus on the positives, but it seems anytime he's having a good week or he's up in whatever poll it is, his approval numbers are up, he gets in his own way. And that's when I look at it and go, why why even say that? But I look at the Peter Struck Lisa Page thing, and I would be ticked off too. If if I was getting investigated and there are there are text messages out there where they are discussing an insurance plan and I think we've all seen what the insurance plan is. Would I go about it the same way, Brenda? Probably not. But I can understand his frustration. And I think for the president, he takes out his frustration at rallies like you saw. Right,
2: And he really, I think, revels in those kind of rallies and people are behind him screaming and yelling their support. Um, And the president is a showman. You know, let's not uh, be naive about that. Uh, The guy really uh, was on TV for years with uh, The Apprentice and he knows how to... Uh, appeal to the crowd, get them fired up, get them riled up. But I, I just don't think that that's the right look for a president. You may disagree. I mean, if you're a, an avid Trump supporter, uh, many people think he can't do anything wrong. Uh, I just don't think it was appropriate for him to be up there talking about the way he talked about them. I understand what you're saying, Joe, about the the text and what was said and how obvious it was what they did. However, for him to kind of recreate the conversation, I thought it was a little over the... I thought it was funny, but I thought it was over the top.
0: See, and this is how conversation should be, Brenda. You have a, a slight disagreement,
2: yeah, you just you know, discuss it and... And I'm not going to start calling you names.
0: <laughs> also, um, I thought it was interesting, and then we'll have to hit a break. Shepard Smith leaving yes. Fox News. Yes, He was one of the initial people there. Now, I don't think it's any secret the last few years, Shep Smith has kind of been anti what the commentators on Fox News are, Um I just want to know, did you have a, an opinion on I was him surprised.
2: leaving? I was surprised. But then when, the more I thought about it, um, he has not really been in lockstep with the rest of the Fox uh, announcers, hosts. And as we were saying before, there's no mistaking they definitely lean right. We know what they are on Fox. Well, I would uh, say the,
0: the nighttime programming leans right. And it seems that Tucker Smith and Sean Hannity particularly go after Shep Smith of their news team. Tucker,
2: Tucker Carlson.
0: Tucker Carlson mainly, but uh, Sean Hannity had a back and forth over the summer as well. Um, Tucker Carlson, it seemed like they eyed in or focused in on Shepard Smith other than another news commentator at Fox News.
2: Yeah, well, and I think the timing was a little odd. He just abruptly decided to pull the plug and that was it. It was not as if he said, I'll be leaving in a month or in a week. It was just, that's it. See ya. So yeah, a little bit uh, taken aback by that.
0: And I just want to say one more thing as we're on the Fox News thing. Um, it's interesting to me. The market had a really good Friday, and on Sunday, not one Sunday morning show mentioned it. Except we did, here on Hardline.
2: Well, there you go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Before we go to the break, we'll blow the clock up just a little bit so we can get uh, Rambo Jim in. Rambo, good morning.
3: Good morning. Good morning. I hope you guys are having a nice day, and then and we'll continue to have a nice day. Um President Trump appeals to the forgotten Americans, and this is what the elitists, they just don't get it. They cannot understand about the forgotten Americans. We shut down over 60,000 factories. That translates into millions of Americans that don't have good-paying jobs anymore. Nobody cared about them. Nobody was talking about them. Nobody was really, I mean, Trump's the first guy to do anything about our border being overrun. He's got 27,000 Mexican troops on the border protecting our border. Somehow, some way, he put enough pressure on the Mexicans that they responded, and they're using their army to secure the border. Uh, he, he said Thursday night in Minnesota that illegal entries are now down 60% and could, continuing to drop but if you know your history in world war ii get your history book out when stalin took over russia i'm not making this up the russian people were so infested with lice that they were shampooing their hair with kerosene people say well why did russia go communist why did hitler take over germany The German people were standing in soup lines and bread lines begging for something to eat. And some guy comes along and says, listen to me, I have a better plan. What would you do?
2: Well, uh, you certainly raise a good point there, Jim. Um, What is your your ultimate point, though, here?
3: My ultimate point is we're too stupid to learn from history. And these stupid elitists, they just will never be able to understand the other night. Thursday night, he was talking about, you know, pulling out of Syria or wherever, and he was saying how one of the toughest thing for him to do as president is when they the, the planes come home, I think he said it was a maybe Andrews, Air Force Base, and they take the dead coffins, the dead soldiers in the coffins off the planes with the American flag. The president said, I felt so sorry for this one mother. I said to her, are you going to be okay? She said, I'm fine, Mr. President. After she left, uh, the, the general or the senior officer that was escorting the president said, Mr. President, she's not fine. She's going to pieces. He explained this in the most simple way. But I wish you could have seen the looks on the faces of the people as he explained it. He connects with people like no other president can do. I wish you would have seen the looks and how quiet it got when he told that
2: story. You know, Jim, I I think you're right about that. He does have a particular knack and connecting with people that you wouldn't necessarily think he would. You know, here's a guy who was raised in New York, a wealthy mogul, you know, uh, traveled in circles with celebrities and and well-known wealthy folks his whole life, it seems. And yet middle America seems to just love him. In fact, I thought Minnesota was very reflective of that. So I, I think, you know, to some degree, I do understand what you're saying, that there is a lot of appeal among the folks and the the flyover, if you will, between the East and West Coast. And that was reflected Thursday night in Minnesota. My my only point in bringing this up was I thought the whole thing about the relationship between the FBI agent and his lover was a little over the top. But people love it. People, There's no denying people love it. He connects with
3: people, and he has a heart for the people, like um, the, sm- the, the people that are, we're called, you know, guys like me that go to Walmart all the time. We're the smelly Walmart shoppers. But he respects us. He treats us with respect. He doesn't treat us like white trash. We're just stupid, ignorant, racist, redneck, white nationalists, whatever you want to call us. He shows us respect, and he's and I'm voting for him again.
2: Well, I think his message definitely resonates with uh, with a lot of people, Jim, including you obviously. Joe. do uh, you think Jim is right about the middle America?
0: Uh, I do I do I think I think middle America uh, had been forgotten for years and, and by the people middle America voted for. Right. I mean, let's let's look at the the Bush administration. Look at the people that ran under the Republican title uh, or in the Republican Party. They didn't focus on middle America like President Trump did. I mean, Brenda, when's the last time a sitting Republican president went to Minnesota to campaign? Good question. Yeah. So I, 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 I see the point, and I, I heard that speech as well from the president. You know, when he goes to make these decisions, as I know every president does, he has to take into account, into account he's met with the families of fallen soldiers, and he has to ask himself, what are we still doing? What is Right, in, right now, 2019, what are we still doing in certain parts? I um, remember, Syria was supposed to be a quick hit.
2: True, yes. None of those ever turn into quick hits. You ever notice it?
0: Well, no. I mean, the war on terror has been... Uh, you know, fifteen years in counting,
2: at least. Yeah, at least somebody else uh, uh, posted. We're getting some interesting text messages politicians equal snake oil showmen. All politicians are showmen to some degree. I, I think Donald Trump has broken that mold, though, in the sense that he's really a showman. And much of that, in my opinion, comes from his background. You know, he's used to being the center of attention. He had his own TV show. He was the kind of guy who would go on the Howard Stern show and talk very openly about things. He was never a PC guy. So, Rambo Jim, I think you're absolutely right that this guy is uh, very different from most politicians from any politician I've ever seen. Um, And somebody else also said that uh, doesn't presidential mean politically correct? Didn't we elect to try setting aside political correctness for the truth? Yes, it's one of the reasons that I think Donald Trump won. So uh, thank you for all the texts, and we welcome more of them at 30930.
0: And and I think it's why uh, he will win again, because people are— you know, the left, they didn't seem to learn their 2016 lesson. Um, They are running on political correctness. They're running on a very far left agenda. And President Trump isn't really running on the most far right agenda. And I think people will will vote in the end for the candidate more or closer to the center.
2: Do you think that Donald Trump Jr. will run in the next 10 years or so?
0: Not for president. I think Donald Trump Jr. might focus on the governorship. He might focus on Senate or Congress. Uh, I don't know if he'll go after the White House just yet.
2: I think maybe Senate would make sense. I don't think uh, jumping right to the presidency would make sense. But uh, I do think that he's going to keep his hat uh, or throw his hat in the ring at some point down the road. He
0: definitely wants to be in politics. Yeah. yeah.
2: I don't see him backing off anytime soon. That's why you
0: see him more than you see Hunter. All right. We have... uh, (laughs) Or Eric. Or Eric. When we come back, we are... Going to talk about Donald Trump Jr. in Florida. We'll have a live guest after this. It's Hardline on News Radio 930.
1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders
0: while supplies last.
1: Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: WBEN. Welcome back to Hardline. Here on News Radio 930. WBEN. Joe Beamer. Brenda Alacy. I know you're listening now because that Carolina Panthers game is just outrageous. So you're probably on your radio. And I'll tell you, Brenda, it is a tough morning to ask anyone in Gainesville, Florida to talk to us. But luckily, we have found somebody.
2: Indeed, we did. It's Angela Michelle, who is a reporter with the Gainesville Sun, and nice enough to take some time out of her Sunday morning to uh, talk about the Donald Trump Jr. rally uh, Thursday in uh, at the University of Florida. Good morning, Angela. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Oh, it's great to have you on board. So, Uh, You were there at the University of Florida. Uh, Set the scene for us, if you would, Angela. What was it like? What was it like in terms of the uh, aggressiveness of the uh, protesters on both sides?
1: Sure. So, you know, really in the weeks leading up to the event, um, we could tell that it was not going to be the Average Accent Speakers Bureau event. Um, When I arrived on campus about an hour and a half before the speech was supposed to take place, I could hear chants screaming from, you know, half the football field away. In the middle of campus, there is a place called Turlington Plaza, uh, and that is really the heart of campus where people gather for protests for, to express their, you know, First Amendment rights. And there were hundreds of people, about 500 protesters outside of the university auditorium with Trump flags, with um, there was a group called No Nazis at U.S. that organized the large protest as well as Trump Trump, which was another group that formed in a week before the event. Um, but security, there were men with snipers on the roof of one of these classroom buildings. Um, people, it's just very heated, literally sitting on the left and right side of the auditorium with their, you know, uh, empty gun holsters clipped to belts and Make America Great Again hats. And on the other side, signs that said, U.S. will no longer get money from me for bringing this, things like that.
2: Wow. So obviously um, very partisan groups on both sides. And is it accurate to say, Angela, that uh, $50,000 in public dollars was spent to bring in uh, Trump Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle? Is that the right number? Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. So uh, when when you were there covering it, uh, did it start on time? What was the, What was the setup like? Did the... Uh, the organizing group come in and introduce both Trump and Guilfoyle? Right.
1: So it's hosted by, um, Accent is a part of student government, and it is the country's largest student-run speakers bureau. The speech, um, it started a little bit behind schedule, and we were told, media was told beforehand by a student government member that they weren't going to host a live question and answer like they typically do at the end of their speakers. Rather, Donald Trump Jr. was able to pick um, from the hashtag Ask and Kim that he, he could pick tweets he wanted to answer rather than the live Q&A because um, they said it was, quote, a controversial show. Um, but it, it did start a little bit behind schedule. They each spoke for 24 minutes. Um, and Kimberly Gafoyle came out first and talked mostly about being um, a Latina woman and talked about her heritage and her family being from Puerto Rico and being a first-generation American and um, she spoke for 24 minutes. And when Trump Jr. came out, um, one of the first things that he said was um, kind of a "me too" joke. He said, um, "Kimberly Guilfoyle is his girlfriend, and she kissed him on her way off the stage." And he said, um, "I don't want to get or she kissed me. I don't want to get me tooed on a college campus." <laughs> he did make a couple of jokes referring to um, the protesters from the inside who were shouting at him saying, you know, why don't you go play beer pong? You have a great game coming up this weekend. If you don't want to hear me speak, just go do that instead.
2: So do you think he's sort of taking a a page from his father's book where he's going to, uh, you know, confront these people uh, without any sort of hesitation?
1: Absolutely. They both um, really remained unwavered and unbothered throughout their speeches um, as people were shouting things like, shut up or you are terrible was another... Um, there were a lot of inaudible shouts, but for the most part, the students and, and general public in the audience began to shout USA, um, you know, to kind of counter the people in the audience who were protesting. And Kimberly Gafoyle and Donald Trump Jr. both joined in on that chanting USA and both said, oh, I love the sound of that. I love to hear that. So they did continue with their speeches unbothered.
2: You know, uh, Angela, it's interesting what Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle was quoted as saying, too. When she was talking to the crowd, she said there's a reason they want you, referring to the Democratic Party. They need you to be a victim. How did that go over? Right. She she really hit hard on the fact that she has
1: faced a lot of hardships in her life, um, growing up without her mother and being raised by a single parent. Um, she said, you know, I have never believed myself to be a victim, and um I'm not a victim because I'm a woman. I'm not a victim because I'm Latina. Um, They want you to believe that. So that was really a main talking point for her.
2: Would you say that she was more uh, outspoken than than Trump Jr. or equal? Or how would you characterize the tone from both of them? Um, It
1: seemed to me like, I believe Guilfoyle had something on the lectern, like she was reading a, uh, whether it was notes or a typed out thing, but Donald Trump Jr. just seemed to be more, um, engaging with the crowd and speaking off of his head and the points that he knew he wanted to make before. Um, but yeah, I would say that they were both. It was very much so just a, a lot of shouting between the speakers and the audience.
0: Now, Angela, what was the, um, the setup? So obviously this was announced. Uh, was it protested any day before the actual event? Were there displeasures voiced uh, before the event?
1: Absolutely. Some students um, in the week leading up to the event visited the university president, uh, President Kev Fox, his office to tell him how upset they were that student activity fees were being used to bring the speakers here. Um, They went to his office and waited for for a bit. They posted a video on social media um, and asked him, how are you going to keep students safe? Would you please consider canceling this event? There were some uh, members of student government who wrote some legislation and called for some student government to uh, some resignations within student government. Um, But as far as protests, like the physical protests with hundreds of people, did not take place until the day of outside of the venue.
0: And it was the student government who invited and put on the show, correct?
1: Right. Accent Speakers Bureau is a a part of student government. And the $50,000 comes from each student is paying $19.06 per credit hour. And an average class is three credit hours, and, and many students take between 12 and 18 credit hours a semester. So that money, um, through student government, is being used to pay for speakers of, for accent, among other things.
0: That's, that's more uh, activity fee than we got when I was on student government. Uh, let me ask you, what other speakers have they brought in, uh, political speakers, from the left or right side?
1: Right, so they have hosted John Kasich before, um, this accent speakers bureau. And I know this is super popular. A few years ago, two years ago, um, Richard Spencer spoke at US, but that was not through accent, and he was not paid. Um, But as far as speakers go, we had Josh Peck, we had um, Jody Cantor, we've had um, who else? We've had so many. We've had um, Chelsea Handler, R.L. Stein. So the accent speakers typically aren't. um, A lot of them are journalists. A lot of them are actors, um, and a lot of them are comedians.
0: So is this the first time they've brought someone in that's had this kind of reaction or any kind of protest?
1: Um, There have been protests before, but I think that this was the largest. I don't think that the university um, has had a response like this before. But the uh, University of Florida media, Steve Orlando, he did tell us that no one was ejected from the event. Um, They told us before if there was anyone too disruptive or too... Um, or causing a scene, they would remove them. And after the event, when I spoke to him, he did let me know that they did not have to do that, that some people did leave on their own. But for the most part, this, this worked out how they expected it would, um, and that everyone was expressing their opinions or exercising their rights um, in a way that was not disruptive to the event itself.
0: Now, did the university make any kind of statement uh, supporting or um, the event or saying anything about the event?
1: The university administration did make um, a post on Facebook stating that this was not a misuse of student activity fees and so that they were, you know, in hopes that everyone would come and either protest or come in support peacefully.
2: Yeah, Angela, uh, you were talking earlier about how it seemed that Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle had some prepared remarks at the lectern, possibly. And uh, from what I read, uh, she outraged some of the folks in the audience when she started using Martin Luther King's famous line, I have a dream. What happened when she said that? Uh,
1: Many shouts from the audience um, saying saying bulls or what you will (laughs) say, and um, she just kind of remarked and said, oh, your parents would be so proud of you here, shouting that at us.
2: Mm -hmm. And would you say that Donald Trump Jr. was perhaps more relaxed and natural on stage than Guilfoyle was? How how would you describe uh, their persona on stage? Right. Kimberly really, it was intense
1: when she was on stage because she was opening the event and we were all kind of waiting to see what how people would respond to her throughout her speech and the thing i noticed most was when people were shouting at her she just wrote like her voice steadily increased the volume of her voice she really had a sense of authority on stage and you could tell from a lot of people in student government who were sitting in the center of the auditorium right next to the left of the media were, were, you know, really thrilled with how she handled it because she just continued to be exactly, like, very firm and she didn't care that people were shouting. She was going to keep doing her thing. And Trump Jr. seemed to be a lot more relaxed and more having a conversation with the audience and Kimberly Gafoyle opened it with that
2: intensity. Interesting. And then when uh, it was time to go, Trump Jr. thanked the supporters for having the courage to attend. I thought that was interesting when he said, it's not easy to be a conservative, and it's even harder to be a vocal conservative who happens to be a Trump supporter. And they closed out with the gator chomp. How did that go over?
1: Absolutely. He thanked the university for allowing him that platform to share his his ideas on the success in in business and his years as the president's son. And he um, thanked the student body president, Michael Murphy, um, for for working, and he said, your job is not easy. And one of the things that Trump Jr. said um, during his speech was, I'm going to talk uh, about a couple of things here today that are relevant to college campuses, aside from the obvious suppression of conservative speech and free speech. Um, and that is, I think that is the point he was making as he was closing it out, saying it's the, the The suppression of conservative speech on college campuses makes it difficult for young Republicans on
0: campus. Angela, one more thing. You mentioned the uh, Gator Chomp. Uh, What's the mood in Gainesville like this morning after last night's loss?
1: Uh, I'm actually not in Gainesville at the moment. I'm in Jacksonville. It was nice to get away for a weekend without all the craziness there. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: that sounds good and it's not even the political talk right Angela D. Michelle from the Gainesville Sun I really appreciate you coming on Joe and I enjoy talking with you and thanks so much for your time this morning thank you you take care I appreciate it you bet Joe that was very interesting to get the perspective of somebody who was uh, right at the uh, the Trump junior appearance he and Kimberly Guilfoyle there this past Thursday at the University of Florida
0: as a former student government member um, in college I have to say, I'm proud of that student government not backing down to request. By I'm guessing, I know the administration as a whole said they uh, they supported it, which was surprising to hear. But I'm sure there was some backlash of that student government. I'm glad they stood their ground. And interesting that, as she mentioned, they don't really bring politicians in. And bringing John Kasich's not really a controversial politician. So for for their First controversial politician usually would think, okay, we'll start with Ben Shapiro and then move to Don Jr. (laughs) No, they go right with Don Jr. And and I have to say, it it sounds like most of the protests were peaceful. No one had to be taken away. Um, But I would be interested. And if you noticed, I was trying to get there. But unfortunately, there wasn't the example. I'd be interested if someone of left leaning had done a speech at the university of Florida, if there would have been people protesting from the conservative side, I would bet not. But again, I don't have anything to, uh, unfortunately based that off.
2: Well, one thing I was happy about, Joe, is that Angela did not indicate there was any violence that broke out. And uh, it jumped out at me when she said there were sharpshooters there. I guess, you know, they certainly seem to be prepared from a law enforcement enforcement standpoint.
0: Well, we've seen what happened. You know, I mentioned the Milo uh, at Berkeley. I believe he ended up not being able to speak. But remember, I mean, there were parts of the street lit on fire. There was a cop car uh, tipped over. I mean, it, it was, you know, they've seen what can happen on college campuses. Now, we all know Berkeley is a little different than the University of Florida. Uh, but again, I, I, I have to say, out of that whole thing, Brenda, I am just amazed that a group that brings in comedians, actors, and actresses, uh, they bring in Don Jr. Uh, and I, I have to say, it sounds like it went overall uh, very well from a policing standpoint.
2: Yeah, it was good to get the perspective. So I hope you enjoyed the interview and Uh, Joe, are we up for a break again? You know what, Brenda?
0: Let's just go right to 55. Let's do it. Let's Let's, uh, go to 55. We're good at blowing up the clock. Uh, I want to say, Brenda, you you, uh, said you had season passes to when UB did the Speaker Series.
2: Yes, a few years ago. I think it was about three or four years ago we went to the Speaker Series. It's the UB Distinguished Speaker Series. And um, as I mentioned to you off the air, Joe, a lot of times I probably would not have gone to a particular speaker. But since we had season tickets, we went to all of them. And um, it was an interesting mix of people. You know, we saw everybody from Magic Johnson to um, I'm trying to think of some of the other folks that we saw that were so interesting. Um, Malcolm, the, the author, his last name escapes me. Um, And there were some other folks who had political orientations, too. But nobody that really uh, drew a huge crowd or any protests. What I enjoyed about the whole speaker series was how diverse it was and from all walks of life. It wasn't so much a political thing. Uh, It was more of a, you know, well-rounded experts and people who are well-known in their fields, whether it was science or uh, the world of entertainment or you know authors that's really what it involved and that's what I think it should be I you know on the other hand if I was in Florida I would have gone to see Trump jr well, and so Garfoyle just for the spectacle of it all and just to kind of take in the whole experience not only of hearing what they had to say because as I said before I like to hear different points of view but also to see how people reacted to them and what the college administration did and what the law enforcement presence was like and how the groups all Interacted. But, I, I'm just kind of a, uh, an observer of the human condition, and I find that fascinating. But let me
0: ask you this Do you think Chelsea Clinton would have had the same response with protesters, Jenna Bush, either of the Obama uh, no, daughters? No, I
2: don't. I, you know, but Trump Jr. is uh, pretty active politically, and he is cut from the same cloth as his dad. He's not afraid to say things that are uh, controversial. He's not afraid to inflame the crowd. He's not afraid to talk to Uh, people and and his girlfriend clearly saying that, you know, the Democrats want you to be victims. They're not PC. And I think that you can't really compare a Jenna Bush or even a Chelsea Clinton, although Chelsea's been known to say a few inflammatory things. Yeah, they went on The Uh, View. She was on The View defending her mother. Her mother was sitting right next to her, and she defended her very, you know, strongly. But other than that, Joe, I don't think anybody would have that same kind of reaction as Trump Jr.
0: No, and that's what I was trying to get uh, with Angela, but she said that was the first— politician or political figure they had brought in well brenda we covered a lot of things a holiday weekend hope everyone enjoyed some great texts i love when we get good texts me too i appreciate that so don't forget tomorrow and tuesday mark polon cars tomorrow eight to nine lynn dixon eight to nine on tuesday Joe Beamer in for Sandy Beach all week next week. So I hope you enjoyed last week. We'll have fun this week again. Brenda and I are off next Sunday. We are going to replay the two interviews with Mark Poloncars and Lynn Dixon. So we will see you in two weeks. I will see you tomorrow morning. Buffalo, have a great weekend. Enjoy the bye week. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.